Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the text for this morning comes from that gospel reading. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus speaks parables, they are very short and pithy constructs to make a point. But the most fascinating aspect of his proclamation of the parables is that when he preaches and proclaims them to the general crowd who listens, There are many who walk away scratching their head, trying to figure it out, but they don't get it. Explain to them all in that one place. It is to be explained privately later, as he said to his own disciples. Now that flies in the face of lots of our own rational and logical constructs in our mind that When one wants to explain something, you want to be as clear as possible, and you keep repeating it in different ways and angles, and then there's always the question and answer period at the end. Did you get it? Did you understand? And then there is some feedback. Yes, I got it. I understand. Jesus doesn't play that. And that's remarkable. Because what preachers are tempted to do is we want to dump the whole load on anybody who's listening And we oftentimes over-speak too many things. Or we wish to explain to people who come to church and they're going, I don't get it. And we want to try to make all kinds of reasons and excuses and justifying answers rather than saying, keep giving it a try. It'll grow on you. God's Word will grow on you. Because God's Word does not lay dormant or idle. It is life-giving, it is life-filled, and it makes things happen, even if we cannot see it. And that's the amazing aspect of both of these, but first and foremost, the first parable. We get a great explanation of the seed being sown by this man, We get this understood that it grows and so on, and then we get the great harvest. The two things that are focused upon in most all the parables when it comes to seeds and sown and harvest is all it's sown and it's harvested. And the details in between are often left without any explanation. Now Paul talks about growing in the faith, and so does Peter, They talk about living out this faith, struggle with the flesh, and so on. But Jesus in his parables talks about the seed being sown and the seed being harvested. And the in-between period, he doesn't explain. The interesting thing about the man in the parable, he's kind of inconsequential. And if anything, he's a lot like you and me. In that we sow seed, and as the text said so clearly, yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger, and he knows not how, the man who sows it. 
Now, the man who sows it in the era of when Jesus proclaimed this parable was far more adept at gardening than any of us are. And yet, he uses that term to describe his wonder at its growth. The miracle of life. The inability to explain fully how it can become from this to this. The next step is time. We love to constrict God to time. Because what we see growing anywhere in the world takes time. Nothing grows overnight and then is harvested the next day. We think in terms of time. God does not. She fit in my hand, Elizabeth. And she was born about 18 weeks premature. And her mother and father made sure that I was there to baptize her as soon as she was born because they knew fully she would die within minutes after being born because she had so many birth defects. And her little hand, as I baptized her, moved across. I mean, my whole hand covered her. And as I baptized her and made the sign of the cross on her little walnut-sized head, her little hand came over and touched my hand. It was a very profound moment. And yet in that moment, did God's seed get planted? Did it grow? And was it harvested? In that moment, we tend to think of harvest as always being something that takes years. And for those of us with gray hairs, yes, it's taking a few years. And for those of us with more gray hairs, yes, it's still taking a long time. But God's harvest comes when he determines it's ripe and ready. That's why the beauty of that parable doesn't get into the details of the how and why, the in-between. Only that God's word is planted and that God's word produces something and it's harvested. The time in between can be, from a temporal point of view, seconds or decades. Now moving from an individualistic point of view to a corporate point of view. The church is such a living, breathing thing. The church was sown by the prophets of old. It took root during the prophets proclaiming and so on and finally began to grow and produce fruit if we're going to use these chronological time frames during the apostles preaching. Now in the early years of the church one could see very clearly growth. No different than when you have a live oak growing you can quickly each year go back to that live oak and say wow it's grown this year. But when you drive by and look at those live yokes in the front of this church, you cannot perceptibly say, I can really tell a difference this year. It's grown more. Because it is such a big thing. So is the church scattered around the world. Imperceptibly does it grow. Unexplained though, does it grow only that we know it grows. And that's the great truth of this parable, that we are to be comforted. It grows. 
It produces. It's harvested. More is sown. And it continues until Christ comes again with glory to judge the living and the dead. Does it continue? Let your hearts be at rest. We fret. Oh my goodness, we fret. Because we have a great love for other people. We want them to know about this great truth that you and I have. And when someone says, the church isn't for me, or when someone says, I don't understand it, I'm done with it, or when someone says anything disparaging of this great body of Christ, we wish to try to fix their issue. We can't fix it. And that's humbling. And that's the truth of God's Word this morning. You and I can't fix it. God's Word can, and God's Word has, God's Word does and will. We are to remain faithful to this proclamation of seeds being sown. And even if we are unable to perceptibly measure a difference in growth, does not mean it's still not growing. God's Word says it grows because the focus of that first parable is not in the soil nor in the sower nor in the weather the focus of the first parable is in the seed the power of that seed its ability to be what it is life-giving just as Christ said truly truly I say to you unless a seed of grain falls into the earth and dies it stands alone but if it falls into the earth and dies it produces a harvest you are that harvest you and I can look at our own lives and say have I grown have I not grown God be praised that we are unable to see the great growth that God is accomplishing in your and my life. For if we were to see such growth, we would be so pompous and proud. Look at what God has done. Except we would say, look at what I have done. Elizabeth is glorifying God in his presence, fully developed. And she is not thinking in terms of what she did. She is only thinking in terms of the one who gave birth to her, her heavenly father. The one who conceived and created her and redeemed her. Are we different than Elizabeth or are we the same? Does God's word act in the same manner in Elizabeth's life as it acts in yours and mine or is it different? It's the same seed. It is satanic. It is satanic to be led to think we can qualify, quantify, or somehow judge in a perceptible manner and in an accurate manner at all times the growth of his church. Or for that matter, our own growth. There are times when we feel like we've taken one step forward and have fallen three steps back and think, why in the world, Lord, what is the problem with me? 
She didn't ask such questions, did she? Why are we? Because we are tempted daily and moment by moment to think we can judge and perceive with some kind of assurance of truth what things appear as. And Scripture is very clear this morning. It is a mystery. We know the seed is planted, and we know it's harvested. That's all we know. In between, it grows imperceptibly, sometimes unmeasurably. But we know it does grow. Sometimes we tend to want to quantify things to prove their validity or their effectiveness. Whether there are 500 people in this congregation worshiping on any given day or five, God's Word is still the same. God's work of that Word in their hearts is still the same. Whether there are 10 people in each of our classrooms at our school or 25 and they're filled, God's work is still being done. His Word is still being planted and nourished, and there still is harvest being done. It's just that we don't always get to see the harvest, do we? I was blessed to see that harvest. I don't get to see it always. There's many people's lives, just like the people in your lives, who your lives have touched and you wonder, is it going to do any good? Especially parents and grandparents who wonder about their offspring. Why are they not in church like they once were? Why are they not worshiping like they once were? Does God's word not come back to him accomplishing something? It seems as if it's all gone. Nothing is perceptible. There's nothing there. Now that's one thing that being here in the great state of Texas has shown me. Oh my stars, in the midst of some dead ground, every spring does those crazy things called blue bonnets pop up. Hardly any rain and they still come up. And in fact, it looks like they only come up when it's rocky and completely horrible looking. And then it lays dormant for a whole long time until next spring. That's how God's Word works. He only gives us these little snapshots for our benefit because He knows how we are tempted by our own flesh and Satan in this world to think we can measure. God be praised that there is a planting and there is a harvesting. And privately we gather here to hear again about these parables that are mysteries enough to us, let alone to the people outside the church. Be comforted, brothers and sisters. His word is powerful and efficacious. He said, remain in me and you shall bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he promised to lead you into all truth. In the name of Jesus, amen.
the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your heart and your mind on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.